Your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Lundscott, Nicola Page, Kevin Musto, and David Barnhouse. You're listening to the Stick Lake Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. My name is Jordan Linscott. I'll be the host for your show, and tonight I'll be joined by my co-hosts, Kevin Musto and David Barnhouse. For those of you who just tuned in the podcast, it's a Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals podcast. We talk about all things Blackhawks, all things Wings, and then we cover other news from the NHL. On this week's schedule, we have a couple items to talk about. The first would be Adam Earn gets an up signed with Detroit, gets traded a fourth round or Detroit trades a fourth round pick through the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for him. Also, the Red Wings have officially moved Chris Draper to the role of head of amateur scouting for Detroit. And then on the Hawks side, Adam Boquist is confirmed not to be going back to the OHL this year, so great development for him in terms of his potential in the league. The Minnesota Wilds signed Bill Guerin, I believe I'm saying that right, as their GM, so they finally have somebody heading the ship for them. Ottawa had a humongous, and then news around the league is that Seattle said that they're going to be announcing their team name early next year, so we'll go ahead and just talk about that, just predictions for what we think it'll be. And then we finally got a piece of fan mail, so I'll read that at the end of the episode, and we'll answer the question. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and just jump right into our first topic on the schedule. The Detroit Red Wings signed Adam Earn from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Basically, they sent Tampa a fourth-round pick in exchange for him. Um, basically, he's just going to be a winger or potential winger in their system. Um, he's not going to take anybody's spot from what I can see. I don't think he's going to be a top six guy by any stretch. I think it's probably more just like a depth signing where if something ends up clicking for him and he works out, great. If not, you're sending a fourth rounder. Kevin or David, which one of you would like to go first on your opinions on this? I'll go first. Um, I like the trade. It's We gave up a fourth round pick for someone that actually I think has a chance to be a fourth liner, maybe at some nights a third liner. He has shown he has some potential. I mean, he played for Tampa last year a little bit and had seven goals and 13 assists, so he knows how to move the puck. I'm really just hoping we get one game of a Burt and Ernie line, or Burt and Ernie line. So Tyler Bertuzzi and and uh, Adam Earn. I would I appreciate having that. The announcers try to say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're trading only a fourth round pick for a guy that, like David said, is you know probably a fourth liner. But if he's needed on the third line every few nights or whatever, he can probably fill that role. So it's it's a depth move. But you know, fourth round pick, you're trading away a very uncertain asset. Most fourth round picks turn into nothing. So. At least you're getting a guy who's proven here, and obviously Iserman's familiar with him from being in the uh, Tampa organization, so he probably he knows what he's going to get with a player like Earn. so obviously he saw something there, and he felt confident uh, in giving away that fourth-round pick for him. And just to add, he was also an early second-round pick, 33rd overall, so he did have some promise when he was first drafted in 2013. Now he hasn't really developed in Tampa, 
But like you said, Iserman drafted him. Iserman drafted him for a reason. Maybe he sees something here in Detroit with him. Sure. And the other thing too is Tampa is a very crowded team. So I think he'll get more of an opportunity, more minutes potentially in Detroit. Whereas in Tampa, it's definitely more of a log jam with their players there. Yeah, totally. I think the other thing that I really like about this move is that Steve Eisenman's basically been saying, you know, he wants to create positions where players have to compete for spots. And I just, I think this is great. I mean, you essentially gave up a fourth round pick and now you're going to create competition between players. I mean, looking at Detroit's bottom six, realistically, you're looking at guys like Luke Glendening, guys like Darren Helm, who can slot between like the middle six. You're going to be looking at guys like Christopher N. So you're kind of creating competition between those guys as well as some of the prospects that are looking to break into the NHL. So I see this only realistically as a good move. I mean, you gave up a fourth round pick and you're going to create actual competition for roster spots this year, which I think is a definite plus. Yeah, competition among the team is never a bad thing. You don't want to, you know, not have enough players to fill a role. And then you end up in a position where you're kind of lacking in a certain area. If you create that competition and then you're kind of eliminating and you're able to choose the best out of your options, um, that gives you more to work with. And like uh, our team is very young, so there's plenty of room for competition. I mean, and Adam Adam Earn is pretty young too. He's 24, so it's not like he's an old player either. He's going to be entering his prime and what it, what could be his prime in the next couple of years. So I think, all in all, great deal, Iserman. I trust the Iser plan. Yeah, I mean, the best part about this deal even is it's a cheap deal. He's not signed to a, a big cap by any means. I want to say he signed to like an 800 thousand dollar deal or something like that. So he's not taking up big dollars either, which is good. Yeah, his cap hit. Do a little quick check. So he's at a 1.05 million cap hit. Is he a 1 million player? I thought it was an 800. He's a 1 million. His base salary is 950, um, and he has some bonuses at 100. Okay. Yeah, and that's just for this season. So it's the one year left on his deal, but then he's an RFA after. So if we decide we like what he's doing, we can re-sign him. So really, overall, though, not a bad move for Detroit at all. I mean, I don't see any negatives with this move. You're not taking on a big piece of salary cap. You're not taking on a guy with a lot of term. You're basically just adding a depth piece in exchange for a fourth-round pick, which... Which is nothing. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, fourth-round picks don't have a very high likelihood of turning into NHL-level players. It's really nothing, because if you look at the Red Wings draft picks, too, we have our first-round capitals ours and the Sharks second round um, and then ours and the Sharks well ours and the Sharks third round the Sharks didn't do it because Nyquist um, they didn't make the cup final they didn't resign Nyquist so we have two seconds and two thirds yeah so you're not going to miss the fourth round pick I'm not going to miss that at all you're picking higher than you're planning to pick anyway so it's a net gain in my opinion Um, yep the other piece of news on Detroit's front is that Chris Draper is now the head of amateur scouting for Detroit. Anybody who's been following the Wings for more than a couple years knows that Chris Draper was a big piece of Detroit's success. I mean, he was great on the face-off. He was able to play a physical game, and he's one of those guys who was pretty underrated, but he knew what to look for in players and just how to be an effective player. I think that transitions over well to like a scouting game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't 
a big name signing in the draft. He wasn't a big name free agent. Like he's one of those guys who went under a lot of people's radar. And I think having a guy like that who had to work their way up through the lineup is like your head of amateur scouting who knows and can see those little things that make somebody successful. I think that's an awesome decision to put somebody like that in charge of your scouting division. Draper, like you said, um, he wasn't, you know, one of the biggest names, but he did his job a lot better than most. If it wasn't Datsuk on the faceoff, I would have wanted Draper in a high risk situation. Um, Draper's a smart player, like you said, and I think he's got a really smart hockey IQ. And just like Iserman learning under Ken Holland, mm-hmm. Draper learned under Ken Holland for many years. So I think this is a great position for him, and I think he's going to do really well in it. I think that that's really it for Detroit news. The next piece of news that we're going to move to is on the Blackhawks front. So Adam Boquist is confirmed not going back to the OHL. So basically that means he's either going to play for Rockford in the AHL or he's going to be playing for the Blackhawks. Based on what I saw out of camp, I'm not sure that he makes the Hawks roster opening night, but I could see it definitely during the season if injuries occur. Kevin, you've definitely probably seen more video of him than either me or David have. Do you think that he has the potential to crack the Hawks roster this lineup, or do you think he's going to go down to Rockford and get time running a power player playing as like a top four guy down there. Yeah, I think he starts in Rockford. I think there's definitely the opportunity for midway through the season. He might get a call up or later in the season, he might get that call up if he's, you know, having a very successful run in Rockford. But I think Chicago just really wants to take their time developing Adam Bokvist. They don't want to rush him into the lineup. I think they're going to start him there in Rockford. It was like a week ago, or yeah, like a week ago or so, they signed Philip Home, which I think they kind of see him as maybe a mentor figure for Adam down in Rockford. Um, Brian Campbell is going to keep training him, so I think Rockford is where they're going to want to keep him. He can play top pairing minutes in the AHL, which at like you know 19 years old would be very impressive if he can, you know, fill that role uh, and do it well. So I, I think they keep him in Rockford. I, I don't see them pushing him on that opening night roster, even just for the nine games, because the other thing, too, is the Blackhawks roster right now is a bit crowded with defensemen. As it stands, even Dahlstrom and Cuckoo don't even have like a sure spot on the roster. So I think they need to figure out what they're going to do with their surplus of defensemen before they decide if Adam is going to get called up or not. So assuming he gets the call up, who do you think that the Hawks would pair him with, assuming that they have a a full healthy roster minus whoever gets injured for that call up? Yeah, um, I'm not quite sure because presumably Duncan Keith will be paired with Eric Gustafson. And... Eric Gustafson plays a very similar game to Adam Boakfist, like very offensively gifted. So obviously that like works with Duncan Keith. So Adam Boakfist could definitely play with Duncan Keith, but I don't know if they want to split up Keith and Boakfist or Keith and Gustafson. I mean, so, and then I don't think they, they, they would want to play Boakfist on a bottom pairing role, which is presumably where Brent Seabrook is going to play. So, I guess that would leave second pairing open for Boakfist, which means they might play him with like Olimata, uh, maybe um, with uh, Connor Murphy, although 
That is, if they want to have two right-handed shots on the same line. I'm not sure. I think it's a bit early to tell. And then I also, I'm expecting them to make moves with their uh, defense roster throughout the season. I don't think the roster, the defense group now is necessarily set in stone. I think there'll be a bit of movement throughout the season. The other is Calvin DeHaan, who's injured right now. But uh, once he comes back, Calvin DeHaan's probably going to be on that second pairing. I think he could be a good partner for Adam Boakfist. Okay. So, yeah, it's a little bit early in the season to really be predicting it. I was just curious on who you thought it might happen. I mean, or who you thought it might happen with if he gets paired up. Because, I mean, sometimes you see management groups where they'll try to stick guys with similar styles together. That way, the guy who's got experience at that level can start teaching habits and mentoring the guy who's somewhat like him. And then other times you'll see management groups where they paired somebody with somebody else who's completely different from them because it's sort of like a yin and yang system right. where they learn to feed off of somebody else who plays polar opposite to how they play. Yeah, I mean, I think I kind of see the best mentor on the Blackhawks roster for Adam Boakfist would actually be Brent Seabrook. And obviously now he's way past his prime and he's playing on the bottom pairing, so they probably don't want to put Boakfist in a limited role there. But, you know, Prime Seabrook was a very offensively, was a very offensive defenseman um, and was really good at shooting from the point, which is kind of, you know, Boakfist kind of plays a bit of game, his game kind of like that. So I kind of see Seabrook as a good mentor, but again, I just don't see them wanting to put Boakfist on the bottom pair there. So I, I would say I think DeHaan might actually be the best bet. Okay. Well, we'll move on to... Uh the next topic so now that we're out of the blackhawks and red wings move we'll move on to the rest of the league so the minnesota wild end up signing uh, a gm this week end up signing bill garen i believe is how you say his name um basically they needed somebody they'd been a, what is it three or four weeks at least without a gm so i mean you kind of yeah, need somebody far too to, long i think yeah it's been a little while <laughs> you really need a gm before the season starts and they were cutting it real close Mm-hmm. So Minnesota has somebody finally at the helm for that ship. I don't believe I saw any sort of like a press release from the Minnesota Wild about you know whether they're going to be trying to rebuild the season or if they're going to be trying to sniff the playoffs again. Um, we talked about it. I believe it was either a week or two ago. I think, it's two I think weeks everybody ago. was pretty much in agreement that you know Minnesota should start rebuilding now. They have some decent mm-hmm. pieces to give away right now. I'd be curious to see how Garen takes this team and shapes it. I mean, I'm not really familiar with his track record as the GM, but I mean, just yes, the fact that they yeah. at least have somebody as good, if nothing else, as long as they're not making I, bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, I think as far as I know, this is his first job as a head GM, although he's been in Pittsburgh the last few years as the assistant GM. Mm-hmm. So he's I been learning what I understand. Yeah, so... He's Since not completely, yeah. He's not completely inexperienced. He's been an assistant assistant GM in the NHL for a few years now, so uh, presumably he knows what he's doing. But I think as of now, we don't have any official statement on what direction he plans he, to take the team in. He actually also, um, following their back to back cups, they made his duties expand to the general manager of their AHL team. So not only. So also Wilkes-Barre Scranton? Yeah, so not 
not only was he their assistant GM, he also was doing double double duty and being the GM of the AHL team. So I think he's got a lot of experience for this, and I think I think he could do well. Well, at the very least, it seems like a better signing than Peter Shirelli. <laughs> not as good as signing like me would have been. I would have cost a lot less. That's true. You were looking for that position. Although I got to say, next to the winged wheel, I really like that Minnesota Wild logo. That's tight. I do like the Minnesota Wild logo. You, you know what's kind of sad? I had been looking at the Minnesota Wild logo for almost two or three years, and it it finally just dawned on me that it's actually trees inside the wild, like actual yeah. beast symbol. I did not ever notice those were trees. I just thought it was like the design they put on it. Yeah, I was there back in January to visit my best friend, and we watched the Wild Wings game, and like it clicked when I was sitting there. I was like, oh, dang, those are trees. And then its eye is like the old North Star logo. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of details in there. It's pretty neat looking. I was like, I know what you should get me for my birthday. You should get me a Minnesota Wild t-shirt. I'll be I'll, that, that'll be my Western Conference team. <laughs> well, Chicago should be your Western Conference team. Ever since, you know, Patrick Kane beat up that cab driver. I don't know, man. Anyway, Bill Guerin. <laughs> Back Sorry. to Bill Guerin. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, like, at, for now presumably he's going to take a wait and see approach because I think he wants to kind of get a feel for his team, the organization and kind of what he's working with um, before he starts making any drastic moves. And the team has pieces there. Like they have decent players. It's just actually his first, his first move was he re-signed Eric Sinek. Yeah. That got done pretty much immediately after the signing, presumably the extension was already in place, but then they fired their GM, so they couldn't finalize things. I mean, but, Jonas uh, Brodeen's good. Felino, I, I think, is a pretty decent player. Koivu, of course, Parise, and Suter. Well, that's the thing with Minnesota, is they have a lot of decent players, but there's not enough. They don't really have any game-breaking talent on that roster. No. So they're basically stuck being a middle-of-the-road team, and they have been for a while. Didn't realize they had one of the Stahl brothers. I think they have Eric, right? Yep, the oldest. Where are the other two? So they have uh, Jordan Stahl, and I'm trying to remember who the other one is. Jordan Stahl's a hurricane. And Maybe he's hurricanes. I don't know. I can't think of who the third Stahl brother is. I just saw his name. Jared. <laughs> Jared Stahl? I don't think I know who Jared Stahl is, to be honest. Oh, no. There's Mark. Mark Stahl. Mark plays... It looks like he's a ranger. No. So he was a ranger, I thought. He is he a ranger, yes. Yeah. But anyway... <laughs> yeah, they, they have some decent pieces in Minnesota, like like we were talking about. I mean, I think really they need to pick, you know, are they going to go for it and just either make or break, or are they just going to tear it down? I think, I don't know, we, we talked about this already, so I don't want to try to rehash it too much, but I think the fans in Minnesota would be fine if you sent them out a letter like New York did. or just That's a dedicated them. fan base. They'll understand. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you look at it like just about any team in the league that's gone through a serious rebuild and, you know, tried to do it right. I don't think any of their fan bases have really disappeared on them and said, all right, peace, we're out. I mean, mm-hmm. Detroit's fan base hasn't freaked out. New York's fan base didn't freak out. Chicago's fan base didn't freak out. Like, I don't know, the the dedicated markets, it seems like, aren't, they're not going to jump the gun 
and panic when they hear the word rebuild. I mean, hockey is a very cyclical game in the sense mm -hmm. where you have cycles of being good, you have cycles of being bad. I think the fans in Minnesota are perfectly understanding of that fact. But we I think know. as long as you're giving your fans spurts of success, then they're okay with waiting out a few years of not being as good. Yeah. We'll go ahead and uh, move on from this Minnesota signing. Uh, next, we'll move on to the Ottawa Senators. So the Ottawa Senators ended up signing Colin White to a six-year, $28.5 million deal. So RIP, White. <laughs> no, but he's going to be with that organization for a pretty decent amount of time. I mean, six years is it's pretty long in terms of a contract. So, I mean, hopefully he pans out for them. I mean, in a couple of years, if he does pan out, this could look like a decent deal for them. I mean... You're looking at about what f around four million dollars a year in cap it. It's four point seven. Yeah. He's only twenty two, so he'll be right into his prime right when this contract's ending. So if he does well, he could get a bigger contract. I think starting this coming season, he'll be a twenty goal scorer, and you know, with the potential of exceeding that. So for the price tag, a twenty a, a regular twenty goal scorer, I think it's. Uh, I think it's a good signing for him and locking him up for six years. You know, that's a good term. I, I'm just kind of surprised that Melnick was actually willing to pay this much money. I was going to say, I mean, Otto has been a team known for not forking out big deals. This seems kind of weird for them. But, I mean, centers are at a premium in the league. So, I mean, if you want, you know, a decent one, you have to fork out the money for it. Melnick <laughs> did say that, you know, after shipping out, the older guys, you know, like Stone and Carlson and Duchesne, that he would start paying the younger guys. So at the very least, this signing seems like he's sticking to his word on that. We'll see how long that lasts, you know, when it comes to re-signing like Shabbat next summer, for example, and if he's going to continue that. But at the very least, this does send a good message to the fan base that they are, you know, committing to their current young core coming up i think that's probably been Ottawa's biggest problem is i mean kevin you you're probably familiar with that like the fan opinion in Ottawa, but it, does it seem at least there that fans can't really gravitate towards the team just because nobody seems like they're going to be there as like a long-term solution to like the problems that the team has i think it is tough if you're a fan because yeah you it's hard to get attached to certain players because you're just very uncertain of where they're gonna go you know even captain eric carlson who had been there for years and the entire city loved him even he got shipped out and you would think he would be an untouchable but mm -hmm. it almost there's like this feeling that like in ottawa like no one is safe and um you know that kind of sucks when you're a fan because you want to get attached to players and you want to you know have that guy that you, you're supporting every night and rooting for carlson got shipped out because there was a lot of animosity between him and the owner and everything so and well that was just because they didn't want to pay him true which was stupid because he's a top defenseman and then the same thing happened with mark stone like mm -hmm. you know probably the best two-way winger in the league and they didn't want to pay him 
But it's not like these guys had a problem playing in Ottawa. These were guys that liked the city and they liked the team, but they weren't. They were getting lowballed. Mm-hmm. Say, sports. I mean, it is business, realistically, and money talks. I mean, hopefully, for the fans' sake and for the team's sake. I mean, there's hopefully they're willing to start paying money out for these guys who are good. I mean, you kind of have to pay money to make money if you want a decent team and. The NHL, you usually have to pay decent price tags for your good players. And I don't know, I mean, you look at a lot of the budget teams and sure, some of them will squeak into the playoffs and, you know, go on a little bit of a run. But if you really want to be a contender year after year, you have to either be willing to spend the money for high-end players or your scouting talent just has to be extremely talented and find just gems later in the draft, it seems like. And Ottawa has great scouting. I say, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anybody would have predicted Eric Carlson. At, what did he get picked at, like fifteenth or something? Yeah, I think so. Something. Like that. I mean, their scouting group has. And Mark the Stone was like a fifth round pick or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like their scouting staff is stupid by any means. I mean, they know and can identify smart players. But I mean, at the end of the day, when payday comes you have to pay guys to stay and i mean just as a fan you know fans want to get excited about watching high-end players play i mean take you know the oilers organization for example do you really think fans would be paying the ticket prices that they pay in edmonton if they weren't getting to watch Connor mcdavid and leon drysaddle play together because i certainly don't think they would i mean paying those high-end players yeah in the moment it's going to be painful but over time, fans get attached to players like that, and I don't know. I think from a business sense, it just it makes sense to be willing to fork out that money as long as you know in the long term it's going to make sense for your organization. Hopefully, yeah, Ottawa you, starts doing that. You drum up more interest. You have more people wanting to see the games. It drives up jersey sales, merchandise sales for those specific players. Mm-hmm. We'll go ahead and uh, move on to the next segment, though. Um, Seattle... Is it going to end up announcing uh, the reveal for their team name at the beginning of next year? David or Kevin, you guys have any names that you think actually have like a chance of being it or what you think they would be anyway? I want them to go back to the classic Metropolitans. I think they could have a cool logo behind it with like the Sky Needle or the Space Needle and everything behind it. I think that would look really cool. And their original team, which has a Stanley Cup championship, was the... Uh, Seattle Metropolitans. I think it'd be really cool to bring back that little vintage feel, but just spruce it up a bit. To me, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not necessarily leaning uh, in any direction. There's been a lot of like names thrown out. I guess they had like that survey whenever that was, and there were like a few names that were out there, stuff like uh, totems and sockeyes. Um, one that was thrown out that I liked was Evergreens, although logo-wise, it's not very exciting because it's just trees. Yeah. So I like the sound of the name. I don't think it makes for a good logo, though. I mean, the totems and the sockeyes I can see because um, that ties into their uh, culture. Like, the totems belong to the Kwakiutl tribes, which were in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so that would be pretty cool. I feel like, though... I would get permission first from the native tribes in that area before I use something like that because being someone that went to Central Michigan University where we were built on a Native American reservation and we respected the Native Americans there, 
that's all I really want if you're going to have something Native American themed is just permission and respect. Yeah, I think they avoid the the, the totem name just to uh, steer clear of any possible controversy. But uh, yeah, another one I like is the Emeralds because it is the Emerald City. Ooh, that would be pretty cool. That one is a pretty good one. Seattle Emeralds. I'm yeah, trying to think, I think what their logo would nice, be, though. I mean, an emerald. <laughs> I don't <know. laughs> well, well, I mean, like, bad. I mean, I guess you could kind of do like a jewel for, for like your design, but I mean, I would assume they're going to want a mascot or of some kind. So I'm trying so, to think what you would tie that to. On NBC Sports, they have totems, emeralds, rainiers, sockeyes, renegades, <laughs> sea lions, seals, evergreens, whales, cougars, eagles, and firebirds. I think eagles and firebirds are, and cougars are out because that really doesn't fit what I'm feeling. Have you guys um, seen like the maybe color scheme they're going with? No, but I'm reading yeah, this not. now. One name absent from the list is the Seattle Metropolitans. Batman didn't you, want to add it. Yeah, if you look at their like promotional stuff, like they have the official website, the Seattle Hockey website or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. and the colors that they use on there, it's like. Almost like kind of like a salmon pinkish red and then like a teal kind of blue. I don't know if you guys have seen this. I haven't. I'm on NHL Seattle. That doesn't sound right. I don't know exactly what the website is. But anyway, any like early promotional work they've used, uh, they've used like these same recurring colors. And I'm wondering if that's just a temporary thing or if they're actually planning to use those colors for the jerseys. There was a name that I saw on Reddit. It didn't really get much traction, but I kind of liked it. Uh, the Seattle Monarchs, I thought it sounded kind of interesting. Monarchs? Like the yeah. butterfly? Like the butterfly or like... Uh, like monarchs, like royalty, yeah. Yeah, there's the LA Kings, though. So. That would just be a little weird to me. Yeah, I don't know. LA kind of has that theme going on, and then their OHL team is the Ontario Reign. So they kind of have that whole motif there i don't know if seattle wants to copy that gary but i mean I, I do like the sound of it though so there won't be a metropolitans gary bettman didn't put it on the list i don't know i think the emeralds does sound pretty good though it'd be different front runner for me but if they're going with those colors that we've been seeing in their promotional uh their promotional like imaging then it's probably not going to be emeralds because they haven't been using any green. I actually like them to copy be... the uh, the Seahawks color scheme, like that blue and then the green with it. I do like the Seahawks color scheme. I mean, I've seen some people say, you know, well, the Canucks are are fairly close, and you're clashing for them, like color and like like design wise. But I don't know. I've always thought that those colors were just great choices and. I think it'd be kind of cool to see what Seattle would do with something like that. I think Seattle deserves this because they had their basketball team uh, ruthlessly taken away from them when it was a huge fan favorite years ago. And they need more sports teams there. That's a city that, you know, it's a big city. It's a city that they can support any team they want, really. I mean, none of their teams have ever, I don't think any of their teams are budget teams by any means. No, and I just know, like, I just remember the Seattle Supersonics being like such a big deal and the fans felt super betrayed when the new owner kind of moved him away. Just very quickly, I sent you guys a link to the uh, Seattle NHL website. Okay. okay. And uh, if you look at this... the, uh, the header there, the colors there. That red and blue? Yeah, that red and then the blue. They've been using that for a lot of promotional imaging. So I'm just... I don't know if it's just a placeholder thing or if they're actually planning to use those colors. I hope it is because those are two ugly colors. (laughs) 
I kind of like the look of it, but I don't know. We'll see what they do. Interesting. What? So when do they say next year? Well, early 2020 is when they they want to reveal the name uh, and the logo and everything. When is the Winter Classic this year? That'd be a good time to do it. January 1st. I would do it during the Winter Classic when everyone's watching. I feel like it'll get its own dedicated event. Uh, true. Where is the Winter Classic this year? Uh, that I don't know. I don't know what teams are playing. Was it like Dallas? I can't remember. 2020 Bridgestone Winter Classic. Nashville versus Dallas in the Cotton Bowl. Okay, well, hopefully gonna, Dallas wins be hard. because that's gonna be the Preds. That's going to be really hard to keep that ice cold. Uh, I think that'll... Anybody have anything else to add before we uh, move on to fan question by chance? Nope. I'm eager to get to this fan question. Yeah, so is it why did David Barnhouse not get named Minnesota GM? Is not <laughs> <laughs> written uh, by David Darnhouse. Darn. <laughs> uh, so, uh, for the sake of privacy, I'll go ahead and just cut off the last name. But our question, our first like actual question from a listener ever, comes from uh, Adam. Adam writes. Enjoyed listening to the podcast you guys put out last week. It's interesting having... Oh, it's because I wasn't on it. (laughs) (laughs) I see how it is. I love you, Adam. Uh, All right. Enjoy listening to a podcast that covers two different teams. My question this week, both teams really seemed to struggle last year on the defensive end. Which team do you think will have the better defensive group this year, and which team do you think is better poised to have a defensive group within the next three or four years? So ah. let's uh, let's go ahead and just get it out of the way. Detroit has the worst defensive group, and it's not even close. <laughs> yeah, we have too many aging, not great players with uh, Trevor Daly's trash. Eric uh, Jonathan Erickson's a big body, but is softer than a bag of marshmallows. Um, Mike Green's old. Cronwall's pretty much done. Like we have no real defensive depth, whereas Chicago has a lot of young and strong depth, in my opinion. If we were comparing these teams last year, it would actually be very, very close. Um, because Chicago's defense was abysmal this past season, but. They've made a lot of off-season additions, getting Dehan, getting Mata. I think that helps strengthen the group for this season. And then, of course, you know, going into the future, lots of young talent on the blue line with guys like Bokvist and Mitchell mm-hmm. coming in, Bodang, Vlasic. So, um, you know, yeah. Chicago looks like they're going to be set for the future. It, it might still be a little rough the next couple of years, but it's getting better. And I think our future as well looks pretty good with Cider, with uh, Bowie, with Heronic, with um, oh crap, Sol- Solvajari. I can never say his name. Ariarvi. Yes, Ariarvi and um, Chaloski. Chaloski. I think, yeah. I think they're going to continue to grow, and I think Solvajari is going to hopefully, you know, do well in the next couple of years to make the team. Because I'm surprised he hasn't been called up more. Um, I think we'll compete with you guys with our def- with our blue line in the coming years. Yeah, both teams have definitely been making an effort to uh, draft heavily on the blue line. For me, I think I think that Chicago's defensive group has the ability to have more gay guys who can 
make big plays and I want to say be difference makers, but I think Detroit's group has the potential to be just a better overall core, if that makes sense. Like like a steadier group. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, it, there's no doubt in my mind, Adam Boquist, once he actually fully develops, he's going to be just a really dynamic defenseman if he continues the trajectory that he does. But... I mean, Detroit's, I guess, comparable in terms of high-end defensemen is probably Philip Hironic, which Hironic, I mean, he's already a top-four guy in my opinion, so I don't mm-hmm. think he's ever going to take over as, like, you know, a certified number one D, but... And I think on the opposite end, um, Mort Sider, when he develops, he's going to be just a shutdown defenseman. Like, he's going to be... Like, we saw him in training camp. He was, like, pressing people into the boards, cutting up, breaking up plays. I think he's going to be a great... You know, we're going to have Hironek, who's going to be a great offensive defenseman, and he's going to have the parallel with um, Sider, who's going to cover and be a good uh, defensive defenseman. I mean, I don't think either team is really situated badly for defense in the next three or four years. I mean, both of them seem to have a decent group in their system. They've got, you know, prospects who, if they pan out, are going to be very good players. I really don't see either team struggling in that group. I mean, both of them are going to be looking to move older veteran players. I mean, Detroit, it's going to happen sooner rather than later because, I mean, Daly's done after this year. Erickson's done after this year. Green's done after this year. We don't even know if Cronwell's coming back. And then on Chicago's end, I mean, Duncan Keith is going to have to retire eventually. Seabrook is going to probably be retiring eventually. I mean, so their roster is going to sort of be open as well. So... I think both teams though will be good defensively in three or four years. Yeah, I think so. I just want to say, Adam, that was a really good question. I have a question for you. Why don't you get your friends to listen to this show? I know you got <laughs> hockey friends. Make your friends listen. Write more questions in. We love these questions. But that'll be. Do th- th- you have any uh, other questions or remarks, Kevin? Before we uh, wrap the episode up, uh, nothing left to add. But uh, thanks for writing in, Adam. We appreciate it. So keep listening and don't be afraid to keep writing in. Hey. Well, with that being said, I think that's going to wrap the episode tonight. So we'd like to thank you all for listening, for tuning into this podcast. We all enjoy doing it, and we enjoy putting out content for you guys. Um, As always, if you would like to submit a question to the podcast, feel free to send us an email. The email is stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at stickbladepod. I mean, like I said, we really enjoy fan questions from you guys um if you liked what you heard feel free to give us a follow on soundcloud i mean we're assuming that's how you found this podcast but if you didn't it's soundcloud.com slash the stickblade podcast note that there's a thought in front of it because it's the official name for it um but with that being said thank you all for having us in your ears and listening to our discussion and have a good evening